If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey folks, Benny's and uh, Agnetas. <laughs> yeah, Annie's and Agnetas. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Unsung Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fries. I'm one of your hosts, one of three hosts, and I'm joined by Benny and Bjorn. <laughs> Benny, we just got a promotion. Uh, I thought we were just the sort of like sub-hosts. <laughs> sub-hosts. <laughs> Mark's Frida. Mark's uh, the one with royal blood flowing through his veins. I think so, yeah. Christ, why does why, why, why my mum support them, man? Hejzan is that Swedish? Hejzan Talar du Engleska? Do you speak English? Varkan Yag Hita Nagon Som Talar Engleska? Where can I find someone who speaks English? In case people haven't guessed, the moment is finally upon us. We're doing the ABBA mixtape. Super trooper beams are gonna blind me, but I won't feel blue. Like I always do Cause somewhere in the crowd there Thanks to you Or thanks to ten of you Yeah, so <laughs> Why don't we explain what that means to people that have never heard the podcast before <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we explain the podcast to people that have never heard the podcast yeah, before Yeah, let's, let's do that This is a different episode though Than what you usually get But yeah you got 20 seconds, go for it Hey, I don't know <laughs> This is a podcast where we talk about albums that we think people should listen to that are chronically underappreciated. Sometimes, though, we like to go a bit off the fucking radar and, and do something really famous. <laughs> and then when, when it comes to that kind of shit, we do a mixtape, which we call a mixtape. Especially yeah. for money. You forgot that part. Yeah, well, yes. we will hold ourselves out, you know, when it comes to, you know, anything. If we wanted 10 more subs... So we dangled an ABBA mixtape in front of 10 more subs and they took the bait. And so now we're doing an ABBA mixtape. Uh, there's a lot to get through. So, uh, uh, oh shit, I should, uh, I actually wore my ABBA t-shirt. 
Oh, you've got uh, the best ABBA t-shirt in the fucking world. Yeah. It is so good. There we go. The death metal oh, ABBA my t-shirt. Goodness. Yeah, we, uh, we'll, black metal ABBA t-shirt, sorry. It's black metal ABBA t-shirt. We'll, we'll post a picture of it. It's, it is a really, really good bit of clothing. Uh, Before we get into ABBA, Phil, we should talk about money, money, money. Hey. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, so... We recently decided to go back to having a tip jar, so we have a Patreon. We also, we also decided that some people probably don't like commitment that much. Such as the members of ABBA. Yeah, <laughs> such as the members of ABBA, yes. <laughs> uh, so if you go to unsungpod.net forward slash donate, you can either check out our Patreon or click on a link to buy us a beer. As soon as we opened it up, we get three people give us some money, uh, two of which for Australian. Cheers. Um, so thank you to Scott Walker. Not that thank one. Thank you to... <laughs> Dane Balodis, and thank you to Andrew Buckus for giving us your hard-earned cash. We appreciate that. Very much appreciated. We assume it was hard-earned. We don't know what those guys do for a living. This could be a total Sopranos thing. Andrew said that he was happy to give us £20, but only if Chris never calls MF Doom the pop punk of hip-hop ever again. (laughs) (laughs) See, guys, see, when I say horrible things, uh, it can make us money. So we, we could probably get a whole load of... Other Andrew Buckuses or Buckeye, uh, if, if I just insult a whole load of musicians and they'll pay me to shut up. <laughs> That's been the business model all along. Yeah. <laughs> and before we move on fully, um, so I, I posted an episode ages ago on Instagram and a friend, a friend of the pod, Tommy Smith, was the one that messaged me going, you guys should do an ABBA episode. And then I replied saying, are you fucking mad? They're not unsung. And then I told you guys and Chris goes, why don't we do a mixtape? So... Tommy, you're getting your wish. <laughs> yeah. And the, the weird thing is, ABBA, it turns out, are slightly unsung. Yes, yeah, they but are. You had to dig far enough and, and deep enough, but uh, yeah, it's, that's a thing. We'll get there. But, okay, so there's a million documentaries on every, I mean, every TV channel that's ever existed has probably commissioned an ABBA documentary at some point because they are just catnip for a tea time audience or nearly even an audience. Uh, we will do a very quick tour of ABBA's sort of very early history because it's the stuff that I think most people don't know. We know that they're a four-piece. We know it was two couples. It was Agneta, Bjorn, Benny and Annefrid, uh, also known as Frida. Uh, they went for Annefrid because Abf wasn't quite as catchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ABBA, obviously, is the, the initials of the members. Um, although it did occur to me that if they'd gone for Frida, they called, could have called it Faba, which would have been just as pleasing to your drunk auntie at a wedding. Um, but yeah, uh, at one point, Bjorn and Agneta became a, a married couple and Frida and Benny became a married couple. Uh, that didn't last past 1979. Um Let's see what else. Uh, basics, you know, you'll all know them for like Waterloo. That's going to get a mention, probably uh, recently voted actually the greatest uh, Eurovision song of all time, I believe. Mm-hmm. In 1992, they brought out Abba Gold. A really, really big compilation album. I mean, I was looking at a list of like the world's biggest selling compilation albums. It's up there in the UK. It's actually the second biggest selling compilation of Is all it time. Greatest hits by Queen first, uh, first and third. Yeah, so Greatest Hits one, then ABBA, then Greatest Hits two. Oh well, there you are. And then Madonna. Funnily enough, the Immaculate. Immaculate. Collection. Yeah. 
and then after that, I believe it was Bob Marley. But uh, there you go. So Abba Gold is just so packed with bangers. But it it like completely reintroduced them to a whole new generation. It did, yeah, absolutely, it did, yeah. I actually, I actually remember that as well. Yeah, I remember when it came out. Me too, yeah. I remember from my childhood, Abba, because my mum was a fan, but then there was a, a long time where they were just a sort of background band, and then that came out, and yeah, you're right, there was a massive resurgence. And there wasn't just a massive resurgence in terms of hearing them, there was a massive resurgence in terms of their influence on the contemporary music that, that, that followed shortly after that great Stitz album came out. Um there's a couple other things, like 1999, uh, Mamma Mia, the musical, started touring and that became a film, as I'm sure everybody knows, to their detriment in 2008. There was a sequel to that in 2018. Uh, Two of Mark Kermode's favourite films. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we basically passed the parcel on who was going to like take it for the team and watch Mamma Mia. Did, I, did any of us end up doing it? Because I know that I just stopped answering the messages. <laughs> I did not do it. Uh, no, I've seen enough of Mamma Mia a good few years ago and I had to leave the room. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't stand musicals anyway, so... No, I hate musicals as well, I'm with you there, but I, I watched some clips. I thought that would be at least sort of making a sort but of I understand effort. that it is one of those, like, so bad it's good, cheesy, feel good... It's not, though. Leave all uh, cynicism at the door things, but the problem is I... I, I am made of cynicism. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's impossible to to enjoy. It's absolutely not so bad it's good. That is just, that is a complete load of bullshit. It, it really is. It's it, Have you ever seen the episode of Ren and Stimpy where Stimpy climbs inside his own belly button? <laughs> right, that's how bad I cringed. Uh, that, that, that's how hard I was cringing during ABBA, the musical. Just the clips I saw, I fucking hated it. And I love ABBA and I hate it. Um, anyway, the band had eight number one, eight consecutive number one albums in the UK as well, which is clearly uh, an all-time record. Um, the prehistory of them is kind of underreported, so let's fly through it. Um, Benny started in a group called the was it the Hep Stars uh, mm-hmm. in the nineteen sixties. They were known as the Swedish Beatles. I'll cut a wee bit of those those cats in. She is domestic, she is property She's living like green She's the voting... Uh, Bjorn was in... <laughs> this reminds me of the, the kind of early part of the film Spinal Tap. He, uh, he was... Uh, or maybe even um, A Mighty Wind. Have you seen A Mighty Wind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, the folk one, right? So Be- Bjorn was in The Hoot and Annie Singers who mm. <laughs> were a popular Swedish folk skiffle band. Um, uh, the first song those two guys ever they, they kind of passed each other uh, touring in Sweden at the time uh, but the first song they wrote together was called Isn't It Easy To Say I'm sitting alone, 
Bjorn met uh, what became his wife Frida in 1978 at the Eurovision Heats in Sweden. Um, but yeah, so Bjorn and Frida became a, a couple soon after. Uh, Bjorn and Benny first released an album together in 1970. Uh, the, excuse my pronunciation, I have no idea how you pronounce Swedish. Uh, L-Y-C-K-A, I don't know if that's Lika, Lika, Liska, I have no idea, but it translates as happiness. Now, Frida, Anifrid, uh, is also the Dowager Countess of Plauen, uh, as I was saying, Royal Blood. Uh, she's been a musician, she's been recording since 1967 when I think she won like, a national talent competition uh, that evening has actually been mentioned on the podcast before during a nexus. If you remember, that's the evening that Sweden changed from driving on the left to driving on the right. Big day. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. And that, uh, well, it was the biggest TV audience ever for the night she was on TV, which in in effect contributed to Frida's rise to, 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 to stardom in music because everybody was home that night because they were so scared that they change over on the roads. Um, and everybody was watching this uh, Eurovision heat at home. So Frida got a massive audience from that. Uh, she had her first hit in 1971 with a, a song the name translates to My Own Town. Uh, which actually, that song features all the ABBA members in it, and it was written with Benny. Uh, she also recorded an album, which we've mentioned before, in 1982, which was produced by Phil Collins, and it's called Something Going On. Uh, it's her third record, and it's actually pretty fucking good. Uh, I was speaking to Ben Power about this episode uh, and Ben couldn't choose an ABBA song for it because we've got some contributions for folk later on in the in the episode but he did say that if he had to pick anything it would have been something from the Something Going On album. So I'll pop a wee bit in but it's worth checking out. Now a big part of the ABBA story is a guy called Stig Anderson. Uh, Stig Anderson was their long-term manager and mentor. He founded Polar Music. Uh, and he was, from the very early days, determined that uh, Benny and Bjorn would write a hit that would make him rich. Uh, he just thought they were fantastic songwriters and he had a lot of faith in them and put a lot of effort into helping break them. Uh, they had a surprise hit in 1972 with a song called She's My Kind of Girl, which just totally sounds like an old Beatles tune, doesn't it? Look at the way that she smiles when she sees me, how lucky can one fellow be? Uh, yeah. That was released in Japan and went top 10 And that's kind of when Stig felt really vindicated He was like, yeah, these guys are going to do something special If we keep going uh, 1972, they released a track called People Need Love Which later became effectively an ABBA song in retrospect And it's always wanted a woman by his side To keep him company Uh, that was the first time it included both of the women uh, in it. That song, by the way, was released in the USA on Playboy Records, Hugh Hefner's <laughs> record label. And apparently they, they blame its lack of success in the USA on the fact that Playboy Records was really kind of 
poorly run. Like it, it didn't have a particularly good reach or a lot of budget behind it. Uh, 1973, they didn't make it to Eurovision, but they did release a song called Ring Ring, um, which was also the title of an album, and actually did pretty well in a lot of European countries. Uh, Agneta had her first child in 1973 as well, called Linda, who became the subject to a song later on that I think we'll probably mention. Uh, Agneta was actually briefly replaced on a tour around then by a, a woman called Inger Brunden. 1973, uh, Stig started abbreviating the title of the project, because the project had loads of titles. He just started referring to it as ABBA, uh, which obviously... Yeah, they were just like called all their first names or, you know, whatever. They didn't really yeah, have like, a band name. It was Bjorn and Benny with Svenska Flika or Bjorn and Benny and Anya and Agneta and Agneta and Anya and Agneta and yeah, so they needed a band name. Kind of the earliest example of sort of text abbreviation, wasn't it? Like LOL, like in a R-O-F-L, <laughs> just going for ABBA to save himself time. Um, then we get into some serious shit. We'll fire through these because we're going to talk about some of the tunes. But 1974, Waterloo came out. Uh, big kind of glam rock vibes it was different from the earlier stuff it was number one in nine countries it was number six in the USA it brought about their first ever European tour and it also got them the first trip to the USA funnily enough though despite it being number one in nine European countries a lack of demand saw a bunch of gigs cancelled shortly prior to the show which is mental to think about it I mean people talk about having like the tickets for like Nirvana's tour after Kurt Cobain died imagine you had a ticket for one of the, the first ABBA tour that was cancelled because of lack of demand on the night. That's crazy. Uh, Bjorn has spoken about this kind of period of the band's history because obviously Waterloo caused such a stir. He said that every single after that they were basically trying to sound like The Sweet, a big glam rock band of the 70s. You'll probably know them for tracks like Blockbuster. A blockbuster! Ah, fucking absolute shit. And everyone that was bad through the 70s. Uh, 1975, they brought out ABBA the album. Uh, that features SOS. It used to be so nice, it used to be so good. So when you near me, darling, can't you hear me? SOS! Uh, also, Mamma Mia, number one in the UK, caused a big stir. 1976, they brought out Greatest Hits, which uh, the album went to number one in the UK. It included a new song called Fernando, which Dave, I think you may have heard of. Which was number one in 13 countries. Really big hit for them. 76, I mean, the whole time they're growing at this point. They haven't quite got the sophisticated ABBA sound. They're still kind of seen as being this um, Eurovision band, which even then was pretty trite. And, you know, 75, 76, you've got the early, uh, the, the early moments of the punk movement. And, you know, it is a little bit kind of like eye-rolling. Uh, Arrival came out. 76, uh, first album to get good reviews in the likes of Enemy and Melody Maker, so something changed. The band went from being this corny kind of joke 
you know, the kind of Bucks Fizz, which was the British sort of equivalent, I guess deliberately so, British equivalent. They went from being that to becoming something that was actually given a little bit of time by Credible Press. Dancing Queen came out, which was obviously absolutely fucking huge. Dancing Queen was number one in the USA, the UK, Australia, Japan, and even the Soviet Union back then, <laughs> which is fucking mental. Um, 1977, ABBA, the album. Now, bear in mind, their third album was called ABBA. This one, their fifth album, is called ABBA, the album. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be confusing. It's like corn. Just keep self-titling your albums. They are, uh, they are so like corn in so many ways. Um, Absolutely. Take a chance for me, name of the game, we're on this. Uh, the song Thank You for the Music was on this. It was actually originally, though, only a B-side to single Eagle, despite the fact that it then became so popular it was released as an A-side in the UK. Uh, 78. Now, the thing is, we're actually only at this point four years away from the band breaking up. It's got that kind of Beatles thing about it where it's very short-lived and very intense. 78, Polar Music created a studio in Stockholm, a studio that went on to uh, be used by people like Genesis and Led Zeppelin, but that studio was really, really important in ABBA's development as musicians. Uh, now, by January 79, Bjorn and Agneta uh, had uh, announced their divorce as well, or their impending divorce. 79 also saw them bring out Voulez-vous, which was quite a change, kind of disco era for them. Um, it had Chiquitita, I Have a Dream, uh, Does Your Mother Know, songs like that. Six years after the band started, they brought out their second greatest hits album, <laughs> which also included a new song that you, you may have heard once or twice in your life called Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. November 1980. Two days before I was born, Super Trooper, the album mm-hmm. was released, and Super Trooper, the single. The the my first introduction to ABBA, unsurprisingly as well, absolutely fucking love it. Uh, also features um, the song "Winner Takes It All," which will make an appearance. Later on, um, 1981, Bjorn actually remarries, although obviously still in the band, which must have been awkward. Um, I think, what else did they have at that point? Uh, it was the 50th birthday of Stig uh, in 1981, and they, they actually recorded a song which, uh, again, excuse the pronunciation, Swedish listeners, but uh, Hovas Vitne, uh, which they only printed 200 copies of. I 
I think it was on Red Vinyl, and it's one of the most collectible music items in the world. Um, and uh, the other two had announced the divorce at this point. Oh, no, maybe, yeah, sorry. Maybe I was a bit premature with the 79 thing. So at this point, the other two announced the divorce. Um, and that was that was kind of ABBA. I mean, they brought out the uh, the Visitors album and then they were finished by, 70, uh, by 82, really. Now, there was obviously a lot of talk about ABBA getting back together again and doing stuff. They started writing new music in 2018. There's bits and bobs that have come out over the years, you know, rarities and... Lost tracks and things like that, but they started writing actual new music. The two new tracks in 2018 that still have yet to surface because obviously, I don't know, stuff hasn't been going so smoothly in the music industry since then. They also come up with a project called Avatars. Have you heard of this? Yeah. So it was like a hologram tour of the band. Now the band is still alive. I, I'm not quite sure what the concept was behind it, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the the plan was to tour in hologram. Which I can only imagine would leave you feeling a little bit shortchanged. I'm not sure about how I feel about that. But uh, it didn't take place anyway, or at least it hasn't taken place yet. Now that's the back of a napkin sketch of ABBA's history. If you want to know more about ABBA, there are loads of shows you can go and investigate. There are literally hundreds of YouTube videos about this. Um, We're just adding on to the pile. But we want to take it in a slightly different direction. So we're going to put a playlist together. We've taken three uh, submissions from Friends of the Pod... Three of us have come up with three tracks each, uh, with a different approach, I think, from each of us. Well, our aim is basically put together, possibly unsung, but just put together the ultimate 12-track ABBA best of. Mm-hmm. That's not my mix. That is not my aim at all. <laughs> well, that's I think that's, I, I mean, that's, that's good. I mean, it's reflected in your choices, because I've, cho- I've seen the answers. But... Um, we weren't specific about it, and I like that actually because uh, there's there's some of the big songs which are curious uh, things like Fernando, which weren't on albums; they were like bonus tracks on on greatest hits and stuff that deserve getting mentioned in that light. I've picked stuff that's a little bit more obscure, but only because I thought, yeah, it's kind of a cool opportunity to highlight a couple of moments that I think really contribute to why Albert held in such high esteem. Because what I found when we were talking to people for, about this was that there's really different um, perceptions of Abba. Understandably so, I think. Like they, 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 they occupy very different places in certain people's minds. And for me, I can appreciate both. So, I thought the only way we can really tackle this is in a visual representation. Listeners, if you have the time and the wherewithal, I recommend you do this. I recommend you take 30 seconds, get a bit of paper, and you do a big cross axis in front of you, Okay. And we're going to do one of those charts that you get on Facebook. One of those amusing charts. Like a political compass or that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. A political compass style, okay? So you do two big straight lines, okay? And at the north point on this, we've got Electro Baby, yeah. This is like electro music. This is like full-on disco synthesizers, all that kind of stuff. At the bottom, at the southern point of this cross, you've got panpipes and shit. Okay, so we're talking folky, chuchtery, corny... Like sea shanties, but with a drum machine, right? At the eastern point, you've got sexy cool, sans irony, all right? So you've got your legitimately, I love this, this doesn't have to be tongue-in-cheek, this is amazing pop music. And at the far left, you've got drunk auntie at a wedding. (laughs) Trust me, that's probably going to be quite a busy part of the the scale. But what I realised was that ABBA actually means a lot of these different things to different people, and bang slap in the middle which I think is where Mark's going to come in, ABBA also means 70s pop rock bullseye. 
because they actually do have a lot of just like out and out glam rock from the seventies, as as Bjorn had said, they were trying to sound like the sweet for half of their career. And so like I think it's kinda interesting to take some of the tunes and try and place them on this grid. Right. And I've listed the tunes in front of us here. And what's going to ensue now is a bit of a rammy where <laughs> one at a time we take these songs and place it. Okay, so Dave do you want to go first, man? Do you want to take Vili Vu from the top of that list and place it on that graph? Yeah. Uh, and talk us through your decision here. I mean, it's, it's pretty drunk, anti, but um... I mean, it's in French, so that adds a, cl- a, a sort of <laughs> touch of class to it. <laughs> uh, but of course, it does sound like volivant, which is a staple at a wedding. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely a bit more electro disco than panpipes and shit. So, I mean, I'm going top left, not too far. Yeah, sort of mid left up towards electro and disco. See, interesting. I think that's cheesier than Vu deserves because I think Vu is actually one of their kind of cooler ones. But then again, I I suppose it is. Maybe I'm just a bit used to it. Mark, what do you think? Um, I think it's both. It's got a pure slamming riff in it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm happy to move it a bit, bit more right. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I mean, the thing is, like a drunk auntie at a wedding will literally sing to any ABBA song. So I guess <laughs> you know that's quite a, you know, quite a vibe, but. But there's some that only a drunk auntie will sing you. Yeah, that's, that's the true. thing. Right. All right, cool. Mark, next in the list's Eagle. You wanna, you wanna. By the way, listeners, we're gonna once we're done with this grid, we're gonna export it, and you can check out our our, our ratings online if you're not able to visualize this right now. I mean, it's pure science. It is really, really the most scientific thing we've probably done here since that AI episode where we got an actual scientist. I'd say so. <laughs> Mark. Eagle, the opening track from uh, what is it, the album? But so, just before I do this, can I just clarify something? Um, how did you come to all these songs in this particular order? Well, I just took because see, I know what you're getting at, Mark. You're like, why the fuck have you put the piper on here? No, it's not just that. Like, <laughs> I, I went through every single album and picked songs out of all of them. So I'm really, I'm really curious as to how this process, how, what your process was for what, picking these. What pi- I tried to do was choose a bunch of songs that have distinctly different feels to them, right? And as we go, there's a bunch of songs that didn't make the cut on this playlist, and if we stumble across one, I'd encourage you to just maybe mention why it didn't make the cut. But these aren't necessarily songs that are on our playlist. These are just no songs not from. At all. S- some are and some are not. And in the Eagle, for example, is one that I was considering putting in my three, but it didn't. It didn't qualify. But it is quite an interesting song in their catalogue. Yeah, it's quite an interesting song in their catalogue. Um, suppose in this uh, in this chart that people can't see right now, so it must be quite a weird experience to be talking <laughs> about something they've had, they can't. They've see. had the opportunity to draw it. Um, it's definitely close to the pop rock bullseye, but it's a prog song. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's very right. much a prog song. It's quite uh, psyche. It's weird. It's got like solos and it does have panpipes in it. Mm-hmm. 
it's not at all what you expect Abbott to sound like and, and by any capacity it's it's yeah I mean I've got some notes on it um, I like this song because I don't like what the fuck's a pure WTF moment for the band it's even got a fucking pan flute in it <laughs> um, it reminds me of Fleetwood Mac a little bit actually mm-hmm, weird yeah, I actually yeah. think it's got a little bit of the Eagles themselves you know it's called yeah. Eagle but I think it's got a little bit of that it's also got that kind of Beach Boys surfy guitar tremolo bit towards the end, and it's almost mm-hmm. five minutes long. Like Fully yeah, Vu, like in Fully Vu is also five minutes long. People don't realise that it's a fucking really long song. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, that's that's because there is a radio edit, but it's got that massive middle bit, right? Yeah, which yeah. is cool. It's but it's definitely of its time. I think this is also of its time in a completely different way, which is another reason why Abba is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably close to the. Sexy, cool, sans irony, pan pipes and shit, sort of mm-hmm. close to I, the centre of the seventies. I think. I agree. I think just bottom, slightly bottom right, but close to the the bullseye. Yeah, I think probably around about there is where I'd put it. Um, Dave, I'm going to spare the next one for you because I know you you have that. Um, I have a dream. fucking hate this song yeah, right. it's not a good song it's neither partic- it's neither it's not electro but it's also not overly panpipes and shit it's kind of like right down the middle crooner so it's sort of near the axis but it's way the fuck along towards your drunk auntie at a wedding yeah it's one of these songs that um, they do this often on their albums and if if, if you haven't explored the records that we do urge you to do that but they often write songs for musicals that are in search of a musical Mm-hmm. And this is one. This is one of those songs. This yeah. is one of the Disney songs. So the thing is, right, a phenomenon it like sprang up in the early two thousands around the kind of like Pixar era, you know, musical stuff that had this certain feel, like Frozen, the the, the pre Frozen style Pixar Disney musicals. The songs have a very distinct croony quality to them that's quite inoffensive, and I think I Have a Dream is absolutely stick on template for those songs there's another one that will come up later that I think is better but that is what that song symbolises to me is like you know the precursor of those stupid fucking Pixar musicals also you have I have a dream on here twice Chris I, I really had a dream <laughs> <laughs> not, not anymore Mark not anymore yeah, not you anymore. must be hallucinating <laughs> Dave yeah, speaking of songs looking for a musical, musical songs looking for a musical, Fernando's definitely one of them. Yeah, I'll go yeah. Fernando. Can you hear the drums, Fernando? I remember long ago another starry night like this. And I mean, that's heavy in the fucking panpipes and shit, man. Yeah, panpipes and drunk ante, that's down there, bottom left. <laughs> Um, fucking huge song. I I guess ABBA are very much a nostalgic band and like just a huge part of pop culture and the 20th century history and I think a huge part of whatever they mean to you now comes from the, you know, that f- first time you heard them or what they meant to you as a kid or whatever. Fernando for me brings me back to watching Muriel's wedding when I was eight years old at my <laughs> friend Grant's granny's house. You were only eight when Muriel's wedding came out? I think so. That's mental. And, um, yeah, we used to, like, watch films 
on Sky when everybody had gone to bed that we weren't normally allowed to watch. And, you know, normally that would be Terminator 2 or Robocop or whatever. And for some reason we decided on Muriel's wedding this Friday night. I mean, fucking hell, eight-year-old boys do not enjoy Muriel's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, what a grim film. And, yeah, I I mean, I don't think I could re-watch that film, but it's the grim reality of Australian working-class life from the early 90s really sort of cut deep with me. Uh, But Fernando... And of course, I think along with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, those were like a couple of films that helped that sort of 90s resurgence of ABBA and a sort of meta comment on ABBA that helped snowball their resurgence. But yeah, um, Muriel's Wedding featured Fernando quite prominently and it's a sort of, I think seen in that context, it's this weird, tragic, romantic thing that is stand yeah i guess it just it picks up extra meaning from you know all the stuff it's been attached to mm. so, it's the only um, film that she it's the only film tony coletti's done that's grimmer than hereditary yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> you know that um fernando was actually first recorded by frida herself for a solo album yes yeah. indeed um, That's right. I sung, sung in uh, was it sung in Swedish? Yeah, there's also Spanish language version as well. Yeah, and so I mean we talk about unsung, but Fernando is one of uh, the forty best-selling singles of all time. It's actually sold more than ten million physical copies worldwide. So. Uh, oh, yeah. There you are for unsung. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, the visitors, I think you've got a little chubby. Yeah, this is this is one of the best other songs. <laughs> no, it is. It's a banger. From from definitely from the arguably the best album. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't know. This is one of my three selections, right? So I'll go talk more about this later on. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't have to go into detail yet because yeah. But it's it's more in the sort of top right hand corner area. It's it's electro, but it's synth poppy. It's when they it, were start, starting to get definitely. 80s. Definitely top right hand corner. It is both Electro Baby Yeah and Sexy Cool Sounds yeah. Irony. It's very, it's very cool sounding. You know what a fucking riff. Right, we'll yeah. come back to that guy. All right, well guys, Dibsy uh, Super Trooper. I mean, surely that's Pop Rock Bullseye. Well, here's the thing, right? So this didn't make my cut, but I think this is... I mean, it's in top three of ABBA's songs, full stop for me. And the only reason it's not in my three is because I wanted to try and focus on stuff that people maybe didn't know. But it's absolutely fucking amazing. Like, amazing. Um, I think it, it has a bit of Electro Baby, yeah. It is sexy, cool as fuck, sans irony for me. I'm going to put it between that and the Pop Rock Bullseye because... I don't think it's like 70s glam rock. I think it's a little bit cooler than that. I think it's a song that's aged really fucking well and it's got the word Glasgow in it. 
Bingo. It's a, yeah, that's it's a bit. Um, it's a. It was also in my top three as well. Before I took it out in place of another song, um, to try and also keep it a bit unsung. It is a disco hangover, I think, but it's still great. Right, the next one. That technically this is yours, Dave. I, I'm I'm jealous, but uh, please lay all your love on me. Yeah. Um if if you put this in the wrong place, I will be personally extremely offended. That's why, because that's probably my second favourite ABBA song. <laughs> oh well Mark, why don't you you choose then? Uh well it's definitely fucking like right next to the visitors almost. <laughs> it's electro, it's like sexy. Exactly. You know? If there's any song that can go beyond the visitors into the top right, it's that one, man. It yeah, is. it probably is, yeah. There's definitely no pan pipes, it's pretty electro. It's Maybe an ante, but like a cool ante. Yeah, a very cool auntie with like some kind of substance abuse problem, but she's still fucking cool. Yeah, Even your parents don't invite her over. Um, all right, uh, Dave. In that case, do you want to take Andante? Andante. I don't know that song. Oh my song. god! I hate, I hate this song. I hate this song so much. <laughs> so it's it's got a waltz beat, right? And yeah. it's kind of ABBA at their sort of uh, kind of dreamy, trippy kind of. It's just got a kind of lightness where the guys and the girls are really kind of carefree and like la 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 la. Anyway, it's going down near panpipes, even though it's not actually full of panpipes, but it's pretty inane. I think that's what I'd say. I kind of like it. It's kind of sweet. It's certainly a fuckload better than I Have a Dream, but I would probably land it about there. Mark, if you disagree with that, feel free to move it. But uh, I'm not putting it anywhere near as far along to Drunk Auntie as I Have a Dream. Yeah, I'd probably put it further down towards the bottom, to be honest. Right, well, <laughs> uh, you know. Just a little, though. Make a um, correction. I think I think you need to have a bin. <laughs> uh, so uh, put your money where your mouth is then. What about Gimme, Gimme, Gimme? Well, Gimme 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 is like the, the problem with ABBA is like so many of their songs have been overplayed so you have to like kind of go and listen to them afresh and delete an entire life's worth of browsing history in terms of <laughs> ABBA to look at it afresh and like don't we all have to do that anyway well yeah exactly I mean Gimme 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 it's fucking it's disco-y it's good song. drunk anti yeah it's a good drunk anti song though it's close to that central axis. Yeah, but it's uh, but uh, you're right. It's the right. It's the anti side of it, but not far into it. Yeah, I think it's maybe just below volevo, 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 volevo. I yeah. disagree, <laughs> man. I think I've been I've been to too many fucking drunk aunties at weddings because I would put it way towards not not in a bad way, but I'd put it way towards the left. <laughs> mm, no, see, I think money, money, money. Its cousin song is much closer to the drunk auntie. Mm. Gimme, gimme, gimme is darker. So this is the thing that Abba every so often 
do stuff in like the minor key. Leo, you're loving me being the absolute fucking best example, right? But they do stuff that's quite dark every so often, and the, the chord changes are there's a lot of minors in there. And gimme gimme gimme, I think gets a little bit of edge because of that. It doesn't have the inanity of some of the songs that we're going to talk about later on. And I, I mean, I, I kind of dig it. You know, it has been overplayed, but it's it's still got a little bit of a, a little bit of bite. I see it's <laughs> edging. I'm just I'm just edging it a little bit. It's slowly creeping towards my auntie. <laughs> there an interview with uh, Bjorn and, and Frida from 2014 when they talk about how even their happy songs were always quite dark, for, well, not were always dark for them. Mm-hmm. They always felt as though there was something under the surface. Well, pretty far under the fucking surface with some of these. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, all right, Chris, the Piper. <laughs> uh, Chris, the Piper. Chris. <laughs> all right, so the Piper's in here. Right, this was the B side to Super Trooper, right? But it's on the Super Trooper album. Because it's stretching the horizon of the right. bottom axis. Yeah, so basically it's there to demarcate the bomb. It is panpipes and shit. It's heavy on the panpipes and shit. Uh, there is maybe one that beats it though, so I'm going to put it just off the bottom of the panpipes and shit. And I'm going to put it just on the anti side, but not far on the anti side, because I really don't think it's not much of a sing along. Yeah, it's it's a more obscure cut, but it, it shows that ABBA had this like weird tendency. Because I'd wondered about doing this in the form of Venn diagrams, right? You know, and having two giant Venn diagrams, one that was like cool, one that was like anti's, and then having this little overlap of like folky stuff. Because they did have a little clutch of songs like Fernando and the Piper and one that we're going to talk about very shortly, that that just seemed sort of like Northern European, almost Scottish folk, Irish folk, Celtic folk. Celtic feel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like quite odd that this ingredient just keeps kind of popping up in some of their album tracks. The Piper's a good example of that. Um, I actually quite like the tune. It's got a pretty dynamic uh, chord progression in it. I get it that Mark doesn't like it, but we can do it, it's Mark. And pipes and shit. Pan pipes and shit as fuck. <laughs> Right, who wants SOS? And be careful what you do with my baby here. Uh, it's class. It's a classic song. Total class. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. It's going to be uh, probably up here, I think. Uh, a little bit of electro baby, a little bit. It's not electro, oh. it's acoustic. What the fuck are you doing? I don't know. For me, it just has the synth, the synths in it are kind of cool, right? No, I mean it's kind of like an electronic stage piano thing. In a yeah. man. I mean it's uh, uh, like SOS is mostly like kind of uh, almost a twelve string guitar or like a multi layered acoustic guitar. But I, I mean, I think it's the seventies pop rock bullseye just on the periphery. Of that. So. I really do. I think it's like I think it's their first really really great moment in their career. I mean, it, this was on the third album, I think. Um, yeah, was it? Aye, it was on ABBA uh, from 1975. Yeah. And it's just, it is an absolute fucking ripper. I just love this song. I mean, this song I can still, I mean, it, the sexy cool sans irony for me, I would put it right along, but I'm going to put it 
pretty close to I think the pop rock bullseye on that sans irony. I don't thing. know the the big the, it's got the massive synth bit after every chorus, which is or before every chorus, which is pretty cool. Um, and I, the, it's a really good example of the thing that they always do, which which is what makes them still stand apart to this day. Is like they were the master of the double chorus. Yeah, I pre-chorus. Mean, well, it's something that Idleworld really took. By the way, not even a pre-chorus. Like the the the, the, the chorus is split in two. Okay, yeah, that's true, that's true. But, I mean, they, they also know the virtue of a pre-chorus as well, mm-hmm. though, man. Um, so, okay, we'll move it a wee bit closer to Electro Baby, yeah, but I just think it's the first great moment in their career. Uh, I, th- I think it's great. And it gets a mention later on in this uh, by Hazel. We'll hear that when it comes, but the cover of it by Portishead is terrific and totally, totally different. Okay, next arrival. Give us to Mark. Dave. He's a fucking Mark for this. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'll take fuck it. I'll take Waterloo next. Uh, this is just a weird song, right? It's one of the. It's only the second instrumental track that I've ever did. I, I, it, it's like fucking a run rig album track I mean it should be it's yeah. the only one that can go beyond the piper towards pan pipes and shit absolutely yeah it's got a fucking like it, it feels really cinematic and big with loads of different strings and stuff in it which is cool and the backing vocals are actually really nice it's just like I, harmonies and as which is cool are they actually bagpipes or are they like synthesised bagpipes on it no I mean it's definitely it's definitely synth yeah I'd say it's sure. synth definitely is um but yeah, it feels dead Celtic, which is weird. Um, it's definitely running about where the paper is towards pan pipes and shit. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's Waterloo yeah. next. So, I mean, literally shuddered. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get it? Exactly in the middle. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's hidden by the. I need to bring that to the front because it's actually hidden. I mean, that's that. That's fine because it needs to go towards your auntie. I mean, you <laughs> cannot be serious that this is not a fucking auntie tune. Well, I know, but it is pop rock perfection. It is them, you know, glam rock. It's. Uh, you're right. You it know. is absolutely glam rock. And mm. as again, Bjorn, the sweet that whole glam rock template was a big part of it. But it over time has been dragged left by your auntie. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is obscenely huge. Uh mm-hmm. all right, I've got it. There it is. Right on the line. Over to the left. My god. All right, Chris, you taking money, money, money. Yeah, because I, as I said, I think this is the gimme, gimme, gimme that's like a bit stupider yeah. and kind of goes towards Drunk Auntie at the wedding. So it tries to be a little bit cool, a bit like gimme, gimme, gimme. It's got the kind of angular, diminished chord progression thing going on, 
But I mean, Money, Money, Money must be funny in a rich man's world. This is their fourth album. They're fucking loaded <laughs> at this point. And there's something just about it. It's such a hollow song. Like, it feels so pandering. Like, they're trying to kind of connect with people. Like, it's it's sort of built for weddings. I mean, they're not stupid. These, these people are absolute maestros of songwriting. But there are times when the kind of crassness of the songwriting overrides the song itself. And I think Money, 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 it's, it's, it's a fun song. It's an anti-song. In the sense of drunk anti, not in the sense of like rebellion, uh, but it it doesn't work as well as gimme 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 for me. I think the sexiness of gimme 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 man after midnight is way better than money 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 must be funny. Fuck off, aye. It it, it hasn't lasted nearly as well. So yeah, yes. it's going it's going towards the drunk anti and sort of in the electro baby, but not much. It's baroque. Is the baroque pop really is what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of baroque. Yeah, it's, it's a good good point. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, we have given you a doozy, and I'm curious to see what you do with it. Dancing Queen. Right here, it's a drunk aunt at a wedding. Just all the way, <laughs> all the fucking way. It's the most left. Can you <laughs> just? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's the ultimate wedding song. I think, or one of the ultimate wedding songs. It's absolutely fucking enormous tune for them. Yeah. I mean, just so so big for them. Insane. What he say about it? It's, it's just a monumental tune. I hate it. I think it's fucking dreadful. Like I, I actually hate it. Like I mean, I. I really fucking like ABBA, right? It's a constant fucking bane of my existence when somebody puts on ABBA for you at a club or at a wedding and stuff, and, and this is what it's like. No, I have to leave. It's it's horrendous. Try to think of examples of of other bands that have a song that I like the band, but I hate the song so much. I mean, like Supergrass, all right. You know, we are young, we are free. Like, like Supergrass, but that song is so bad, I'll leave a room. And I think that Dancing Queen is is that for me with ABBA. Hate it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. Probably because of Drunk Aunties at Weddings. Yeah, they're alright. <laughs> uh, next up, Mamma Mia. I mean, it's fairly anti, but it's pretty pop rock. I mean, it's, I'd say it's up above Waterloo. I mean, it's a total banger. I mean, we knew that this Mama this grid mia. was going to be biased towards the left. We knew yeah. that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. The drunk anti factor is, is strong. Try to think. Got a good guitar riff. Yeah, it's, really it's definitely guitar more guitar-y, a bit of synth in it. Yeah, it's close to the 70s pop rock bullseye, isn't it? Closer yeah. Closer than Waterloo. I would say closer than Waterloo, yeah. Um, all right, how about there? Just below, gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh-huh. It seems yeah. fair. Closer to the middle. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm not condoning the song. I really don't like the song. But it's fairly iconic. But yes. yeah, I mean, makes sense there. Okay, uh, two more for this exercise. Mark, what one do you want? I'll take, I'll take Take a Chance on Me. Take a chance on me. I don't like this song very much. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> for the, probably for the same reasons you don't like Dancing Queen and Mamma Mia. I, I don't like those songs that much either. It, it kind of falls in that category for me probably because my mum totally fucking rinsed out of gold when I was younger. <sighs> uh, and this song was on it. 
I mean, that's it. it like, all ABBA songs are pretty subjective because... Pretty rinsed. It all depends how often you've heard them, if you were poisoned by bad memories of them. You know, you, you bring so much to the ABBA songs. The ABBA songs are all pretty much perfect pop songs. And then we all yeah. just lay our prejudice on top of each one. Yeah, I mean, they have been dragged around the world to weddings uh, of varying degrees of debauchery and awfulness. You know, that th- th- those kind of uh, receptions where there's maybe like 25 people there, there's an empty dance floor, there's like two three-year-olds running about chasing balloons, there's somebody clip-clopping about in high heels, steaming about to be sick like i mean they, they all these songs especially the ones that we're talking about like dancing queen waterloo money 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 mamma mia they are particularly susceptible to those experiences <laughs> i mean the fucking social club phenomenon the weddings i used to go to in the social clubs in sterling the miners welfare all those kind of bars all those kind of like absolutely horrendous pub tables pushed out the little tenants beer mats all of that goes hand in hand with those particular songs. And I think the only songs that are making it to the right hand side here are the ones that aren't completely tainted and Although we've got we've still got Super Trooper over there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean Super Trooper was very rarely played at weddings, man. I mean, if you're at a wedding and you're a DJ and someone says play ABBA, uh, even if you play three or four ABBA songs during the night, I mean Super Trooper's way down that list. You're far likelier to play any of those that we mentioned already yeah uh, in- including even SOS I think before Super Trooper if you're at a wedding alright so where are we putting take a chance on me then be careful Mark um, I, d- I didn't I, I didn't catch much much of that because uh, my internet connection was breaking up so Chris can you take it instead <laughs> 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 that sounds like bullshit to me uh, take a chance on me right hear me out right the vocal part at the start of take a chance on me especially the male vocals which are sung like synthesizers Go back, listen to it in headphones at a decent volume. It is truly incredible. If you change your mind, take a chance on the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the studio recently, and we were literally listening to that over and over and over, wondering how we could get such an incredibly good compression, such an incredibly deep, thick, warm sound, but so well controlled, but but it also sounds very natural on, on those vocals. It's incredible. Like, the production on it is unbelievable. And the, I think the songwriting, the fact that that riff, I mean, the vocal is going, took a chance, took a chance, took a chance, took a chance. And you can imagine that they did that on a keyboard. But when, when did that little spark of, of inspiration happen that was like, Let's do that with the voice. Let's layer the voice up four, six, eight times. Make this in. I, I just honestly think whatever the song does later on, which I agree, it gets a little bit. It gets really quite cheesy. The the the, the ingenuity in that song is really overlooked. That is an unsung moment of absolute fucking brilliance on the part of the band and the the, the four songwriters. I, I think it's incredible. Um the, the chord progression is totally daffy. It's the sort of chord progression of like Waterloo or something like that. It's really really upbeat and a bit inane. But I just think the craft in that song merits a wee bit more uh credibility. So I would be inclined, even though it is a massive anti song, I would say that take a chance with me for, for me ends up just right of the central axis because I think there is a brilliance to it that 
I don't give it a lot of airplay, but every time I do play it, I'm just, from a technical perspective at least, just amazed at how how fucking brilliant it is and how totally innovative this band were in in the process of making that. So I would put it about there, which is just right the 70s pop rock bullseye. Um, even though aunties will like trip over each other to gallop to the dance floor. <laughs> um, I, I think it's 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 survived the credibility test. I uh, think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you guys can move it if you disagree, but honestly, that's... I, I, yeah, um, I've said enough. And then finally, we've got Chikatita. Well, Mark, my internet connection's bad. Mark, you better take this one. <laughs> uh, this song, ugh, I don't even know where to put this song. To be it's, well, it's down towards um, panpipes. Definitely panpipes and shit. Yes, yeah, for going, yeah, yeah. going in that direction for sure. Um, probably actually, it's probably above other rival. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's yeah. definitely over to the left as well. Yeah, it's. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Ante, almost drunk. Ante-ish. I think it's drunk anti, but it's the anti that has a lot of, you know, flowing gowns. Um, Meant the crystals Yeah 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 It's the crystal (laughs) ante Not the um, HR ante You know I didn't realise Chikatita was such a big song For them uh, Because Mm -hmm. it's not one That really resonated with me Even when I was Again rinsing My my mum's Abba Gold stuff Um, But uh, it was big It was really big for them It was a really really popular song Yeah Uh, I I was caught off guard by that I have to admit Um, But yeah good, Good effort I think that looks good. Let's export that. I do realise that I'm pretty sure it's close to a white supremacist symbol. <laughs> Only now that I see that. Um, if you happen to know the, the white supremacist group, please tag them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be delighted, uh, given the text that's overlaid. Well, uh, we'll come to that in the Nexus anyway, so... Yeah, I think there's going to be plenty. Uh, that's quite a selection in our in our. Uh, graphic there hopefully the people <laughs> that have filled it in alongside us have, have put them in the right place yeah. so yes. I think I think what we should do uh, they'll be hearing this after the fact but I think what we'll do is we'll put that graphic up unfilled online and challenge people to try and do it themselves and see who ends up closest to, to our verdict I think that'll be mm. quite interesting yes. uh, and I, I suggest we maybe pause there there's a few other tunes that haven't made the cut of this very narrow 12 Play, uh, 12 track playlist so how about we come back next week uh, we talk about the, the ones that didn't quite make it make the grade and uh, then do the playlist itself uh, with our guests and obviously all the uh, Nexus gubbins that we always get into as well how about that sounds good cool. sounds good to me groovy thanks guys see you next week <laughs>